We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by ZoneCoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. It is a few hours after the NBA's trade deadline has passed. Million different things to get into. I'm here with Charlie Johnson in studio, but Charlie, I'm gonna I wanna take the first word or you got initial, (laughs) I don't know, reaction here. Um Obviously, a, a a huge a huge day, massive, you know, shifting of where this franchise is and where it's going, and um, I just know the way I'm going to talk about this is it's going to be something I'm going to celebrate. I, I think this to me um, is a trade made uh, specifically Andrew Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell that. For the greater good of the Minnesota Timberwolves is is something worth celebrating. That isn't me hating Andrew Wiggins. Quite the contrary. I mean, we've talked about him, you know, glowingly in our yeah. interactions with him as a as a cool guy. Mm-hmm. But it is important to me individually that this team does well. And what I'm going to celebrate now, going forward, whatever is when good things happen to the Timberwolves because that is good for the Timberwolves. If I see something that I think will improve their odds going forward, if they win the lottery, Mm -hmm. I will celebrate that because that is good for the Timberwolves, more likely than not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. (laughs) You never know. You never know exactly. But, um, you know, that comes from... I I grew up a Timberwolves fan, um, so I want... You know, I, I, to that extent, I want I want the team to do well, but I also want the team to do well um, because now I work um, in in media covering this team, and that personally incentivizes me to have this team do well. 
And I just think that's important to get out there so you so people know where my motivation of this is coming is that it is not shade meant to be directed towards Andrew Wiggins. It is that I believe that this move, this sequence of moves that they made is something that increases the odds. Well, yeah, and I mean, I... I think that's a, a much more formal perspective of what every fan is going through. Like everybody wants their but, but odds. But Charlie, of I mean, you know that there's some people out there who are because they've stuck with sure, the franchise for sure. five years, are connected to Andrew Wiggins, have connections to Andrew Wiggins. Yep. That him being traded, you know, they don't like to hear that. I shouldn't say everyone. Thank you for correcting me. Um, but if if there is is a majority that believes that this gives the Timberwolves a better chance of achieving the type of success that they'd like to see as a fan, then they're in the same boat as you. And right. you're right, it's not everyone, but I do think it's a majority. It's it's just my disclaimer to say that holy hell, I think this is the best move the franchise has made in a long time. Yeah, I think by and I'm going to focus on the removing the Andrew Wiggins part of the equation because I feel that I understand that better than I know what the impact yep. of D'Angelo Russell will be. I think that Andrew being on this team connected to Carl Anthony Towns, if Carl Anthony Towns was going to be here and he was going to be there next to him, this team was not going anywhere, period. Mm-hmm. That's my belief. Watched countless hours of that and saw it not work. Straight up. Will that it work with D'Angelo Russell? I don't know. I know this has not worked, and to me, that is absolutely worth paying their 2021 first-round pick and and their second-round pick next year. Yeah. That absolutely makes sense to me. We don't even got to wrestle about the money in any of this because D'Angelo Russell and Andrew Wiggins functionally make the exact same amount of money going forward. Mm-hmm. Three years, $94 million for Wiggins, three years, $90 million for Russell. So it's not about cap space. It's not about anything else. It's about... The fact that I think that this will make the Timberwolves team better at playing basketball. Mm -hmm. And I think the compensation that they paid for that, the penance they paid to get off of Andrew Wiggins was a no brainer. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, to kind of change, turn the dial a little bit. My first thing that came into my mind when all of this was blowing up and I'm like trying to follow along while I'm at work, but like, Okay, to to not even say whether it was good or bad, this is probably the most exciting trade the Timberwolves have made mm, since Butler. I mean, since Butler. Butler, but I wanted to go back to Wiggins because mm. I remember being in college when the Timberwolves traded Kevin Love for Andrew Wiggins and Youngin. Anthony Bennett, Youngin, and, <laughs> and I was so excited, and I thought, just like I think all Timberwolves fans were, and that Andrew Wiggins acquisition was like a rejuvenation of a fan base that had been through some annoying years where even though there were, you know, likable people on the team, they underperformed mm-hmm. and they were frustrating and they got Andrew Wiggins. And I just want to say how much, even though I've I've gotten really annoyed with Andrew Wiggins, the basketball player over the years and lost faith in the kind of player he was going to become, I enjoyed that dude more than anyone else as a person, more than anyone else that's come through. And we wanted to believe in him as the player, man. I remember us sitting down here on a Monday night after that Detroit game. And I I don't remember exactly what we titled the podcast, but something along those lines of Andrew Wiggins is breaking out. Yeah. I mean, we were so willing to go there, to go there and to be fooled if it didn't prove to be right. Because, because why? Because, because if Andrew Wiggins worked out, 
it was going to be great for the franchise. Yep. We wanted that, even though we were skeptical that it could ever happen. We wanted that, and it only ever came in spurts. Mm-hmm. It only ever came in spurts, and at some point, five and a half years of spurts, you got to go, we got to pivot. We got to go in a new direction. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, sadly, the spurts probably got shorter and shorter in duration. Even mm-hmm. if the peaks were better, the good stretches became less and less frequent or long. Right. So I just, you know, the, I don't buy the the narrative that I think is going to become even more prevalent that he's going to bounce back in Golden State. But if he does, so be it. He wasn't going yeah. to do it here. No, no, I, I, I can see and I wouldn't necessarily mind both things happening where... The Timberwolves are set off on a better track because they have D'Angelo Russell in Wiggins' place and that Andrew Wiggins finds a way to have success in Golden State. I mean, to me, maybe this is really basic, but I think part of the reason why Andrew Wiggins' nature was in spurts was that he got bored. He got bored about being on a bad team that um, it, it was partially his fault. The team was bad, yeah. <laughs> but but he did, and it led him to go. All right, we're we're fourteen and thirty. Pretty hard for me to get up for a Wednesday night game in Chicago. That happened all the time. I think if it's different, and Golden State is thirty and fourteen next year, and they're going to Chicago to play on a Wednesday night, I don't think the idea of that is so boring to Andrew that he might coast through the first 24 minutes of the game sure. and need to be sparked by his coach to re-engage himself. Yeah. He he had an undeniable propensity to float. Yep. And and to and to let the game, to let the days, to let the months slip by without making a permanent impact. And when you're building something as the Timberwolves in this front office hope to be doing, you can't have that. It absolutely stymies the potential for growth. And and again, I don't know, we could get into D'Angelo Russell. I, I question that part of it, but the part I'm excited about, the part I want to celebrate, is the fact that it won't be this anymore. Yep. It is not, the path is no longer known. It is ambiguous. I, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. I, my headspace over the last couple of months I think since before the season, since Rosas was hired, but especially since it became clear that that 10 and 8 start was a bit of an aberration, I've just haven't been able to get off of the idea in my head of, man, this ain't it. Mm-hmm. Like, blow yeah. it up. Trade anything that's not nailed down, and probably Cat's the only thing that's nailed down because you can't lose, you can't have double digit losing streaks in the same season mm-hmm. and, and be like, oh, we'll be better next year, like with largely the same crew. <laughs> like, the, this wasn't it. And so, on some level, they had to do this wholesale change that they did if they wanted to give themselves a chance. It wasn't not only in wins and losses. Our favorite player was starting to get, the the best player was starting to really get pissed. And, you know, even if you can put some of the blame on him for being like, I don't even know what the right word is. I'm telling you, it was not, that was not a made up narrative that Cat was upset and that Cat was poking people the wrong way within the organization. That 
was absolutely going on these past few months. Absolutely. He, he probably would have come on the podcast. He was talking to anybody in the media who, who would give him the microphone or whatever. So I think that, I mean, not only has the season been bad on the court, but it's contributed to that. And even if that sheds light on a fault of Carl Anthony Towns that may be concerning, this, what they've accomplished over the last couple of days, to me, is just at the very least, better than where we were at two days ago. I think, it, and it doesn't, it does not absolve the other concerns we have Mm-mm. with this team, which I think to list a few are, are Carl's leadership, mm-hmm. Carl's commitment to the defensive end, the coaching, mm-hmm. the commitment to coaching the team in, in an effective manner. Those things all exist. Those things do not go away because you landed D'Angelo Russell because you move for a couple of intriguing young pieces from Denver. None of that goes away. No, that stuff still needs to be addressed. The thing and the reason for me why, why I'm optimistic about this is because, and I don't know, maybe it makes you sound like a, a homer or like they got me in their pocket, but I do believe in this front office. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like at, at times that's been something that is like not okay to feel. And, and what I think the reality is, is it's been something that's not okay to have felt in Minnesota mm-hmm. for the past 20, 25 years, is that never was, was trusting the GM or the chief decision maker savvy. No. No, it, you could never trust it. But you look around the league at the other good teams and the GMs, the Daryl Morey's, the Bob Myers, the, the, the guys running successful organizations are championed by fans, by the media as, you know, we got a guy here. Yep. We got a guy here. And, you know, maybe I'm jumping the gun in in believing that we got a guy here in Minnesota, but that is my honest best guess that they have a front office here that is going to do things that move the needle. Yep. And and this is the first real, these past 48 hours, 72, whatever it is, are the first real proof I think we have of that not just the Wiggins and D'Angelo Russell trade. It stinks to lose Covington, but those type of moves that, you know, bring in a younger group, give them give them a, a leg up in free agency to go get a Malik Beasley, to get a Wancho Harning Gumbas, because now they are a restricted free agent on your team. Those type of moves, I consider all of that savvy, and you need to be savvy yep. to compete in this NBA against a bunch of other super smart front offices against a bunch of other markets who have more money at their disposal, have more popularity at their disposal. The only way this works is if Gerson Rosas and Sachin Gupta, Joe Branch, all those guys, if they prove to be geniuses. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to call him a genius right now, but to me, it seems likely that they are going down a path that looks like success is at the end of it. Yeah, sure. Or even just that they're taking a productive step forward because I think there's, I, I have concerns that I think most people do that. Okay. Now you have cat and Russell, like what can that be? And how hard is it going to be to build around them? But you took a step, you took a productive, again, this is 
my opinion. Mm-hmm. You took a productive step forward over these last couple of days that shows that you have the bandwidth and the intelligence and the relationships and the savvy to go continue over one, two, five, 20 years, continue making productive moves because it may not be Cat and D'Angelo Russell. It just may not be. Yeah. But if you prove that you can make productive moves and compound them over time, that's how you build a, an established you, winning you make, identity. You make moves that have upside and limit downside. Yeah. And that's why what, what I've been thinking about is, is this deal compared to the Jimmy Butler deal, which I was – Full bore on like thumbs up. That was a good deal to get Jimmy Butler when they acquired him. Oh, I, yeah. I, I thought that. I think m- most everyone did. That said, simultaneously, it was pretty clear that there was risk involved in that deal. They let go of Zach Levine, who was coming off an ACL injury, but clearly a talent mm-hmm. that had potential to grow into something special. They gave up Chris Dunn after his rookie season, who was the fifth overall pick. And they gave up Lauren Markkinen, who they were going to draft at seven. Those three things had a chance at exceeding the value of Jimmy Butler, very clearly. That said, I, I was betting on Butler, but but you could see how it went, could go wrong from an asset value standpoint. Yep. I struggle to see that in this deal mm. because for me, it's my belief that the Andrew Wiggins part of what they sent out was not going to work here. Yep. I think Andrew Wiggins could, even if Andrew Wiggins comes out next year and is like a near all-star and is really driving the Warriors to being one of the top teams in the Western Conference, that doesn't, to me, signal that he would have been able to do that in Minnesota. No, it of doesn't. course not. So, so that, that potential cost, that potential risk is mitigated in my eyes. So now what I'm looking at is the potential for this 2021 pick that you know, popping off yep. and, and being, and being something special as, as we sit here today, it's top three protected. So at worst, it's the fourth overall pick in the draft, mm-hmm. unlikely, but you know, possible more likely than not. I mean, I would say it's a late lottery pick. If the Timberwolves make the playoffs, it's a pick in the teens. Yeah. I, I don't know. We got to, we got to see before we assess that, but, but that. If we're, the, the value of that to me is nowhere near what Dunn, Levine, and Markkinen were. Now, Russell's more, more money. He, Jimmy Butler was a clearly positive asset at the time because, remember, he was, he was making way, way less than the max, and he had multiple years left on his deal. D'Angelo Russell is not even, – even for those who really believe in D'Angelo Russell, you can't say that's a very positive asset – like no, he's got three years, ninety million left on that. I mean, they. Pro- Sorry to cut you off. No, that they was probably rant over. If, if if you just broke it down, what would we have said? And maybe it takes two firsts to get off of Wiggins. So they traded a basically two firsts. I mean, a first and a second, but a second that might be good. Not basically two firsts. I would say, yeah, not basically two they firsts. They traded a first and a second to get off of Wiggins. Is kind of like Russell is neutral value. Sure. I mean, that's just one way to look at it. Mm-hmm. I would push back a little bit. Um, I do think there's more down, more downside potential, at least, because, I mean, the Warriors are clearly making a bet on this not 
working for the Timberwolves. They want that 21, 2021 pick because mm-hmm. maybe they couldn't get the 2020 pick, but they could have fought for something else. But they got this pick believing that on mm-hmm. some level, there's a chance that the Timberwolves aren't going to be very good in 2021. And maybe it'll be the fourth pick or maybe it'll be the And that, that, that draft is supposed to be a lot better. And that draft is supposed to be a lot better. And it's not that, you know, maybe the Timberwolves got the would have gotten the third pick well, or the fourth pick, say, mm-hmm. and drafted the point guard of the future. But more than that, it's probably the trade value of the pick for the Timberwolves. I think that if you want to say, like, we have to go star hunting, now you've kind of got your stars, you could have made an argument that keeping all of these picks and the picks that you got for Robert Covington Mm -hmm. could have turned into another star, a that, different star. That's right. Okay. So I think that, that's that, the opportunity. Cost. I think that's the, is that, a is long that, winded way. No, no, no. I, I get yeah. it. It's, it's that it could have been someone it's else. That it could have been someone else other than D'Angelo. Russell. Yeah. I think that's the risk. And I, I agree with that. I don't know who that, I mean, we've talked about, we, well, how many times have we talked about who is that other player? And how many times have we talked about the fact that like, this is getting a little dicey. Like you probably yeah. just, ha- you, uh, part of this is you had to do something mm-hmm. and maybe you didn't have to do quite this much, but I just think to get back to kind of the odds thing, it just gives you better odds of achieving the success you're trying to. And th- the Carl element is real. Like whether <laughs> I don't think um, Carl has done a lot to inspire the fan base this year. I think he's lost a lot of it. I think he's lost a lot of it too. That said, it doesn't mean he's not the most important piece mm-hmm. currently on the roster, which you know sets you off in a new sort of two two paths you could have taken. Is you know do you continue to build around Carl Anthony Towns or do you start considering trading him? And and they, which I think given that it's <laughs> twenty twenty and early February, that they had to choose the path of trying to stabilize around him mm-hmm. and and continue to empower him now. Like, as rash as this deadline would have been, to have gone and moved Carl yeah. would have been, I mean, it was, that was a path clearly too far. So they're making the most of this path that they're on, mm-hmm. which is, rip it down to the studs, which is Carl, literally Carl, and build from there. You can't deny that Russell helps building around Carl because it improves like what Carl's going through, the Carl's aura. Like it's, it it has to make him like chill out on, on his public complaints and his private, the the complaints happening behind closed doors. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, it has to, but that should theoretically be addressed here. Mm -hmm. And if he proves to not, be able to figure it out. Well, we got a whole nother set of problems. Yep. And, but, the, but that's not a different set of problems than they already had. No. You know what I'm saying? So that's yeah. not. Well, and it's such a might as well when you've got five years left on your contract. It's like, yeah, you could trade them right now, but like, or you could trade them in a year or two mm-hmm. years or three years, probably get a pretty similar deal anytime you do it. Right. And, and just the last thing, I, I just, if you put him on the market this summer, you're not getting Shea Gilgis Alexander in five picks, yeah. first round picks from. You're not you're not getting the five first round picks that the Pelicans did for Anthony Davis. Like let's let's not let's not make a one to one. Oh, you put a star on the market, you get that. No, no, that no, that's historically mm-hmm. not how it's worked. We've seen in recent history, stars have good returns come back for the teams that traded them. But historically, prior to that, 
Well, that, how has that worked? And Not that's well. more about like demand than anything because it was like the Lakers were like, we need to get Anthony Davis and we'll yes. do whatever we can. And the Clippers were like, <laughs> we literally need Paul we George, need Kawhi, Paul George let- to get yes. Kawhi, so we'll do whatever we can. It's just the, the likelihood that that same a similar scenario would pop up. Well, is not there. It's not there, and Carl isn't at the level of Paul George and Anthony Davis. Uh, not, not of Anthony Davis. I mean, he's at an adir right now. <laughs> Give him two. Who knows if he yeah, pops you know, out I'm for say- two more okay, months? I'm saying if it was this summer and you put it on the market, probably I'm, yeah, no, because Paul George was very attractive because there's numerous years left on his deal, mm-hmm. and Anthony Davis was attractive because you knew he wanted to be in LA mm-hmm. and resign there for another four or five beyond this year. So that's true. Those were extremely. Yeah. That's why they got back as much as they did. Okay. There, <laughs> I'm sure we'll continue to talk about Andrew Wiggins and DeAndre Russell in, in the future, but there's like 50 more <laughs> trades to get to. Um, should we hit on the ones of today first? No, or, let's, or let's do the Beasley and her, the Denver deal. Chronological. Oh, Covington. We got to talk. We got to, yeah. we got to talk, talk Covington. Yeah. So, to break that down, because I think this got lost in the mix a little bit initially, the Wolves did get two first-round picks for Robert Covington, mm-hmm. which we were, you know, I was like, I think that's what Covington's, if you're going to trade Covington, you better get two first. That, that was my stance on it. Now I was like, is that going to materialize? And the Wolves were like, no, we need two firsts. And then I was like, that made me think, uh, if the Wolves are demanding two firsts for Covington, I don't know if this is going down. Mm-hmm. But I think that's his value. They got the two firsts. And as far as protected lottery protected firsts go, it was pretty good. Yeah, the I Brooklyn mean, one. The Brooklyn one is as close to the lottery as you can get. They're like the with, with still having confidence that they should get a seven eight seed. Exactly. Yeah. And then, and then the Houston one was a little bit worse mm-hmm. in that vacuum. That's that was what the the Covington trade was. Mm-hmm. But what like twenty two? Yeah. So if you get sixteen and twenty two in the next draft, that's a pretty good first round asset return. Yeah. So that in and of itself is um, well done. We're on the record of we're Covington guys. I think Covington is going to be wildly successful in Houston. Wildly. Maybe that's hyperbolic, but I think that's going to work. But those two, that was good. That was a good return for Robert Covington. If you're trading him and then to be able to repurpose that Houston pick, the lesser of the two firsts Mm -hmm. for three young assets from Denver, mm-hmm. in Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and Jared Vanderbilt, that you know that seems like a fair return for for those three guys, given where the Wolves are in their books. Yeah, two big things come into my mind. The first is like, I don't know how many times Gerson Rosas is going to have to tell us that free agency is not the Wolves' playground. Like before that. I believe it, like I. Good, good point. Saw so much of like, well, they created financial flexibility, but all these, they got all these expiring rookie scale deals. It's like they would have never had a chance to sign any of these guys. They probably would have never had a chance to sign any other players unless they were going to come play for the mid-level exception. Now they have these guys, they have their bird rights. They can match whatever deal they may, they they get. They weren't going to get. And they have the mid-level exception. And they still have the mid-level yeah. exception. And they You're have buying the optionality of being able to retain those players. Yeah. Like, if they wanted Malik Beasley, this, say this trade doesn't go down, right? Yeah. The Covington one doesn't go down. And you say, we really like Malik Beasley. We want to, we want to sign him this summer. Well, you can put together a package, or uh, an, an offer sheet for him, but 
but they're limited as to what they what they would have been able to offer. The totally. Wolves did not have cap space. No, to offer, you know, a the an amount. Yep. Say say twelve million. Say the Wolves said we want out four forty eight. Yep. For for Malik Beasley, couldn't have done it. Couldn't have done it because they don't have the cap. They would not like have had the cap space. Nine and a half. What's the MLE next? Year? Yeah, it's like nine eight. Yeah, nine point eight. So so now instead. They have the chance if, if for some reason, I don't think Willie Blizzard will get this much, but if somebody throws him an offer sheet of 448, the Wolves can now match that, yeah. even though they don't have the cap space. Yep. And the same thing goes, I mean, cut the price down a bit for Juancho Horn and Gomez. Totally. They can do that same thing. So you are buying those rights. Yep. It's like an actually impactful version of what they're doing with Alan Crabb. Yep. Like Alan Crabb, it's, it's uh, to a way lesser degree he's going to expire, but they're going to have his bird rights. They yep. can go over the cap to sign him. If they wanted to sign Alan Crabb this summer, would not have been able to even throw him a 4 or $5 million offer mm-hmm. without using their mid-level. Yep. And that mid-level is going to be the tool that's probably going to round out their starting lineup. Yep. So it's you purchase something there. Yeah. It's, it's a risk. Yep. All it takes is a stupid Knicks team to like throw yeah. ridiculous money at Beasley and then he walks yeah. or Hernan Gomez, but... I don't hate that risk. No, yeah, I agree. And the other big thing that comes into my mind with the Covington trade before when it was, you know, before he got traded, when it seemed very likely he would, I kept thinking, I just want to get somebody with star potential for him because he is the ideal role player, especially now that they have D'Angelo Russell. He would be the perfect role player for a system that just wants to fill in the cracks to be passable on defense around Mm -hmm. those two and then shoot threes around their spread pick and roll or whatever they're going to do. He would have been a great role player for that system. So trading him for other potential role players always gave me pause but that's mostly because I didn't see two first-round picks coming. Mm. And two first-round picks does have star potential, not because of the players you could draft, but because we know that Rosas is going to take all of these assets that he now has, this new pile of assets, and go try to find the next star. That's what he's going to do. That's what he's proved and said that he's going to do constantly. So they just have a much better chance of landing that Third star, if you want to call t- Towns and Russell, and they, two they, stars. they have the Brooklyn pick this summer. Exactly, they didn't have to give that up. They gave up the lesser one, the they Houston two, pick, two first round picks this summer. Yeah, and and what are the odds they draft two picks this summer? Zero. I think super low. Yeah, I think they might do not draft either of them. Yeah, and now there's some Stepien rules to get around with, being that they traded the 2021, but mm-hmm. that Brooklyn pick, which again we're guessing is to be like 16. And the Wolves pick, we'll guess it's going to be like six. Mm-hmm. Like, you could use that to, you know, bump up into something better. Would it be weird to trade D'Angelo Russell this summer? Yeah. Yeah. But if Ben Simmons was on the market and you could say, hey, here's D'Angelo Russell and these two first-round picks for D'Angelo Russell, would Philly think about that? You know, I mean, yeah. it's just, it opens up that, it opens up that door. Yep. Um, if we assume that door was not there with Andrew Wiggins because he was you, like you universally viewed as a. Yeah. I think first round person. picks are going to be more valuable with this front office because of their willingness to trade them. Hmm. And because first round picks are just inherently risky and we've seen how they cannot well, the, play the, out. And now they're at this stage where they're a young team. But they're not babies. Nope. So it's it's the idea of using, so they get five or six overall pick this year, using that on a player who they think is going to be part of this core 
that would be kind of risky because mm-hmm. it would be a 19 year old. Yep. Probably. Yep. Or a 20 year old. It'd be a, another Jarrett Culver. Yeah. And then you go, then you fast forward 12 months and you're like, well, <laughs> did that work? Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe it's John Morant. Yeah. But more often than not, it ends up being Jarrett Culver. Yep. Where you're like still a year into it, two years into it, like, I don't know. This is, it's this a has a chance of going West Johnson direction. Yeah. Like, it, though, like, I think they're going to mitigate that risk yeah. to some extent and try and repurpose those firsts into, you know, into already established players who are in this, this age bubble yeah. of Cat and D'Lo, which is, a, is, a, is ahead of rookie skill guys. Yeah. Well, and quite frankly, they're, they're kind of going to need to because this roster now, albeit being excited about the core and the changes needs a lot of work to think about making the playoffs next year. Like totally. you yeah, got to round. Not, I'm not crowning a playoff <laughs> berth next year. No, no. You got to round out this roster like very tactically and. <laughs> and you got to coach them up, man. And you've got to coach them up. And so like to your point of drafting or trading a first round pick, it just seems like oh, they need some players. Like they mm. need some vets. They really do. Yeah, I, I think they're still going to. Oh, maybe vets isn't the right word. Yeah, they, no, I'm they, you don't have to be I'm old. picturing more James Johnson. No, you don't have to be <laughs> old. They need players who know who they are, know the role they serve, and know mm-hmm. that they serve it productively and go right. do it. They yeah. don't have a lot of players like that. And But that's why, you know, there are 32 games left to be played this year. Yep. It's a lot of games. It's a lot of games. And, and, and with that, you know, assuming health for, for all these players, we're going to see, you know, we're going to see what uh, how Malik Beasley fits in around Cat. I mean, right now I'm painting a pretty good picture in my head of how that works, seeing how Beasley's had a lot of success of, in a five-out offense around Jokic being yep. the quarterback. I mean, that's he couldn't go to a more similarly offensive structured team. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And and now I, I mean I go back to when I did the the piece I wrote um, on Monday, where it was some quotes from. Mike D'Antoni, with which I think are prescient for this team, he goes, you know, for us it was, you bring in the players that you bring in, and it's essentially a tryout. You see who works, and you keep them, you sign them, yep. And the other guys, you know, you let go. Yeah, they have to because he's talking about specifically when within their system that's been their reality. Yep. You know, and and making when you make the big bet, when you make a big bet on retaining one of your guys, like. That's that's critical. And you, you think about with Houston, I think um, they did well in that with assessing Clint Capella, mm-hmm. but before his deal and and giving you know giving him invest really investing in him financially. Now the other side of it was they thought Ryan Anderson really fit. Yep, and that proved to be you know a hindrance for them. So that assessment process is critical, and and that's why these thirty two games are critical. Of like if Hernan Gomez doesn't fit in here and they sign him to a four year, $30 million deal. doesn't sound like the end of the world, but now you're like, th- those are things, you know, you, you can't really miss on totally. You know what I'm saying? So that and it's, that's the, it's like, important. And that's like almost their entire roster after Townsend Russell. Now, I mean, you just go down the list, crab, Jerick, well, crab, Jake Lehman, Hernan Gomez, Beasley, Okogie, Jacob Evans, Omar Spum, and Jared Vanderbilt. Like all those guys are basically on like prove it. I mean, yeah, some of them have tryouts, more man. years, but it's tryouts, and they have a lot of players who are trying out now. Then that, that's going to be. I a don't project. hate that idea, you know. No, especially like, not when you when you're really, really bad, like they are. Um, 
I you you saying that Malik Beasley fitting around Carl Anthony Towns made me think about how excited I am to see Kata Bates Diop play around Nikola <laughs> Jokic. I I'm I'm curious if there are any other players that got traded that you want to touch on, but I like Kata and I'm sad to see him go. Mm-hmm. And it you know Totally. He's gonna he is such a smart cutter. He is going to I just he hope gets he can crack the rotation. Time, he probably won't get playing time like this year, but if he does, if he does should fit really alongside well alongside Jokic. Jokic. That should um, be fun. I mean, yeah, I guess to just to hit on some of them is like the for me, Kata was like the the one guy in the locker room that I, I got along with like pretty well and would just oh, you know, cool. talk about you know, you're just you have just not that we're like friends or anything, yeah, yeah. but those conversations I, I I really came to like Kata, the person I thought he was like a, a cool, quiet, mm-hmm. interesting dude. And and then this year was really, you know, inspired by like, man, I, I like oh, this around this cat. Like this good. Fit. Yeah. yeah. The, and the numbers really never like Advanced numbers like back that up yeah. as as much, but he also wasn't with the team when, you know, when they were actually winning, and yeah. so his a lot of his net ratings and stuff. I at least I was you know making excuses for him. Yeah, you know that one, that one when I was rank, just the night of when I wrote about it when I was ranking the positive assets that they gave out. I think Cato was was a positive asset. Mm-hmm. You know that we should acknowledge in addition to Covington going out the door, not just because um, we think he's good right now. He's on a minimum contract for next year. Yep. Non-guaranteed, which is a, which is a, that's a, if you believe in Kata like we do, that's a valuable piece. Yep. Um, so I think, you know, I think that one's a bummer. You go down the rest of the guys though, Shabazz Napier was a good asset six months ago because he was a rotation level player playing on a minimum, but that contract is now almost expired. Mm-hmm. So as, as his value connected to the Timberwolves, it was... It, it was decreasing by the day. Yeah. Because they were going to need to pay to bring him back. Yep. Which I guess they could do in the summer too. He's <laughs> expired. Yeah. But like, he's like that. Um, Noah Vonley, same thing. Um, liked pieces of what I saw from his game when we did get to see him on the floor. Why did it, do you know why he didn't shoot threes here? What was up with that, man? He like he shot a lot of threes with the Knicks last year. He came here, no one defended him. No one would go within five feet of him when he was beyond the three point line. He never pulled the trigger. So I was writing. Remember the beginning of the year, he was playing a lot, right? Yep, and he shot some threes at the beginning of the year. I and so I was like, I asked Tim Rose PR. I was like, can I? I want do a one on one with Noah. I'd like to like, yeah. write about him. I do a story. So I did it. I did an interview with him and was, um, you know, gonna write the story. And then the next day, the, the cat fight in Philadelphia happens and, and, you know, things just start spinning off in a different direction. And, uh, you know, they were writing about that to the more, obviously the more relevant story. Can you imagine the next day (laughs) zone coverage.com? No, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. So, so that just led to one, like to another. And then while cats out, Gorgie starts playing well. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Yep, really well. Really well. And then he gets Noah's role going yep. forward. So I have this interview with Noah that I never did anything with. Mm. But that's what I asked him about was like, you know, because what my thing when I was talking to him, I was like, you've really, to me, shown that you could be a super valuable defensive asset to this team, you know, playing as as Cat's backup, because that's what I was thinking at the time. But I was like, you know, is the, the next step is like increasing your offensive role. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's that's the plan. Like I was like, you, cause you shooting a bunch of threes in New York last year. And he's like, Oh, th- we're doing this like one step at a time and I'm doing this and then going to, you know, kind of 
you'll grow from from there. It's going to come. Uh, Do you think that's more of an? I mean, you might not know the answer to this. More about a relationship with a coach or a front office. Where's that plan come from? Um, it doesn't seem to make sense because if he showed that, I he don't know, could man. A, a lot of their stuff, though, that a lot of the coaching this year was they, we start super basic. I know, but just, just on that, I get it. With like you've always been bad at defense, like let's start basic and build out. But like I don't know, Noah Vonley could shoot threes at least passably but, last but year, then Charlie, and they want to shoot more. But threes. then he comes out. But then he comes out and he does start shooting some, and he, he makes like one of his first thirteen, and you started seeing him on the floor looking super hesitant to shoot him at all. And then they just Whoa. went away, yeah, all, all together. So it just doesn't add up in my mind. With I know, this, I, I'm like, just saying that's yeah. That's when you ask me about Noah Vonleh, yeah. that, that's what you know. That's what I think. Yeah, of, yeah. And what at least in his eyes were you know the the progression going to be? But it, it was weird, just like watching him in practice. He was like kind of removed from the main big group, from what I could tell, hmm. and I mean not like banished or, no, or no. something like that. But he he got moved. <laughs> He's their vision yeah. for him. Evolved, it seemed to me, um, over over the course of this season, which you know, to get back to the trade, made him not a valuable piece going forward. He mm-hmm. was an unrestricted, he is an unrestricted free agent this summer. Jordan Bell, we never got to see a lot of him. I mean, he kind of had his best game probably of his Timberwolves career that last game yeah, in uh, in Sacramento, but for one reason or the other, they were you know he didn't play. I mean, the majority of his minutes were garbage time. He got DMPs half you know half of the games, and. And, you know, I always thought of Bell as a positive asset this season or entering the season because he was a restricted free agent mm-hmm. going into next year. So for those you know same reasons we're talking about with Beasley and Hernan Gomez. But then having a restricted free agent is only valuable if you want to keep him. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, it's why Denver let go of Beasley yeah. and Hernan Gomez, which not that they didn't like those guys, but they weren't going to bring him back given mm-hmm. their cap situation. The Wolves pretty clearly didn't like Jordan Bell. Yeah. I wasn't playing. Yeah. So, so those, you know, Vonley, Bell, Napier, that all just became cap filler. And, and so I don't, I don't view any of those as, as, you know, negative, you know, having lost something. Covington, I do. I, I mean, I, oh, yeah. I think uh, the revisionist history of this deal will connect to him, right? And we can say, you know, two first was good, and, but the... Um, but so is Covington. But so is Covington, and so... If for one reason or the other, Beasley, Hernan Gomez don't work out, you Vanderbilt doesn't work out, you know. You don't turn those picks into much. Yeah, yeah. and then, then, you, then you just have, then it just looks like Covington for the Brooklyn pick, which is 16 overall mm-hmm. in a, a weak draft. Like, yeah, that, that part of this trade could, could, its grade could disintegrate from like a B now to, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but that, you know, that's kind of to be determined. And I mean, just they were concerned about um, his age and his health. I I think that that's an interesting part of this is that it seems to illuminate maybe and maybe it doesn't. Maybe this is just a pure value play. But it seems to like they seem just so gung ho about trading Robert Covington. They must not believe in his health. I mean, yeah. is that is that being too presumptuous? I. I think so. Robbie Sicka and their new medical staff that they brought in this mm-hmm. year um, has. I remember having a, a conversation with him in Brooklyn before the the first game, and just you know, kind of you know, whatever they, they had a, like a health event yeah. and, and talking to him about you know what they can do, and and it was uh, 
some some football player had had just got injured or something, and mm. and and he was talking about how before he got hired here, they had run this whole regression on on being able to actively or uh, effectively be able to calculate when a cornerback will their career will fall off. A running back, you know how we you always say in football, like once a running back's thirty, they're done. Yep. Like basically, he ran out the numbers for that in every position in the NFL. Oh. Like before doing it, and it was you know, he's, he was excited to share that, and obviously that same line of thinking, yep, is applied to the Timberwolves team. If they weren't doing that, then they would be underutilizing that the guy. asset of yeah. <laughs> Robbie Sicka. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they did that with Jeff Teague, mm-hmm. who is coming back from a pretty serious foot injury and was 31 years old, 30, 31 years old, and it's only natural to think they were doing that with Robert Covington, who was dealing with a a weird knee injury. Yeah. Now, the other side of the argument is he only missed one game all year, and it was when, with a death in the family. Yep. So he was playing, and he was producing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I've been like, you know, you listen to some of the NBA podcasts and read about the national view of it, and I think Covington is being criminally, I don't want to say undervalued, but miscalculated of like, People saying he's a streaky shooter. I'm like, have you watched a Timberwolves game? It takes the hardest threes I've yeah. ever I've ever seen. I'm I'm actually impressed. He's never 36 percent on he, that. Yeah, streaky's never been the word that comes into my mind. For no, he misses them sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> like that. I think it's that, and it's it's dependent on the shot quality. Yeah, and then this narrative that he can't defend on ball and he's only a really good help defender. I'm like, what? People say he can't. Can't. I would say he's a better help defender. No, 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 no. They're saying people are saying he. He is a help defender, can't defend on <laughs> that's, ball. That's and weird. and then and that like, you know, he's gonna get squished in the post in mm-hmm. Houston when they're going so small. And I'm to me, what I saw, if I'm assessing Robert Covington, the defender this year, is I think he was underused on the ball, given that he's playing power forward. But when he was there, I thought he showed some serious chops against bigger guys. Mm-hmm. On the ball, like Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, I thought I think he absolutely has that in his skill set. He is a very good free safety playing off ball, and in power forward situations, when he was just like defending a Demontis Sabonis in a straight up post up situation, he acquitted himself well there. Robert Covington's defensive shortcoming is rim defense. Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard one person say that. He's played he played power forward all year for this team, and couldn't block shots or deter shots at the rim to save his life. That is his defensive weakness. Yeah. And if you want to connect that to, to, to Houston, that's, that's the argument I would make, but he, I don't know. I think I, people hang on to the, to the playoffs yeah, from two years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Which I, I mean, there's sh- not, stuff. there's not no reason to like hang on Dude, to that. But a, a series. So we're going to, we're going to, de- we're going to decide to make our judgment on a player based on one series more than we are of another 150 games that have followed I, after that. I just get the logic that like he hasn't been back to the playoffs and the playoffs is a bit of a different beast. But no, I think what I'm, happened is that's the only time those guys are watching. True. There's probably, I'm not like disagreeing with yeah. you. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I just I'm think not fighting you. I'm, I'm yelling at them who are definitely not listening. <laughs> I, I just, I don't, that's, I don't agree. No, I, the Timberwolves are going to miss Robert Covington's defensive capabilities, but other side of the coin. And what I wrote about after the trade is, he wasn't helping Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. He wasn't. No, I mean, yeah, it's hard. Defensive rating 117 with the two of them on the floor for 747 minutes this year. Yep. 
the Wizards have the worst defense in the NBA, and they're one sixteen three. Yeah, and, and Cats was considered both of theirs were considerably better without the other yep. player on the floor. Yes, which is, it didn't. That pairing defensively didn't work. Now that doesn't mean at that four five at four five. Yeah, that doesn't mean that Covington's a bad defender. That's mm-hmm. not that's not my read on it. It's that he did. You know, it was this. Everyone wanted it to be the Tayshawn Prince Kevin Garnett thing, where those guys' presences stabilized Cat as a defender. Well, that didn't happen with Covington, Mm-mm. and and I don't know if that was personalities or if that was functionalities of of Tayshawn and K, or KG versus Covington, but one way or the other, it didn't work. I think this team's defensive issues are resolved in one way. The Timberwolves? Yes. Carl. Yeah. Carl fixes it. Himself learns what he needs to do differently, commits to doing that differently, and that's how they get better at defense. I It's going to hurt him a bit to have a weaker point of attack defender in DeAndre Russell, given mm-hmm. the way they defend. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to hide him, and they're mm-hmm. going to put Okogie. They're going to put Culver. They're going to put whoever else on yep. the ball. And Russell will not help Carl defensively. No. But Carl needs to help himself. Yeah. That's that's, that's what this defense comes That's A1. I mean, th- they can help him certainly by having better point of attack defenders, which it doesn't seem like will happen now that they acquired their point guard of the future as a bad defender. But, like, yeah, they can help him. Sure, they could also help him by surrounding him with, you know, three gray wing defenders or the perfect four. But to your point, it's cat more than mm-hmm. anything else, and it always has been. And, and you know what I, I, I want to say about and I feel like I really learned this with Jeff Teague, was um, to understand a player's weaknesses and their strengths really intimately, you got to watch them every day. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I know that my perception of what Jeff Teague was when they acquired him versus what I came to think of him after watching him for 50 games was wildly different. And that was because, you know what? I wasn't watching Indiana Pacers games intently yeah. to see what Jeff Teague was doing. Catch a few of them a year. Right. You yeah. know, I mean, and, and it, well, that was before, you know, I was covering the league at all, you know, so it's like any sort of strong opinions I had on Jeff Teague at that time were not, you know, were not warranted or elements of his, you know, elements of his game. And, and that's how right now I feel about Juancho Hernan Gomez. Like yep. totally. I, I can, can tell you all the things that you can read about him. I feel a little online. bit that way about D'Angelo Russell. Well, that's yeah. what I, that's what I was going to go into specifically for D'Angelo Russell defensively. I need to better familiarize myself with what makes him a terrible defender. I don't know the answer yeah. to that yet. Yeah. Because when I have watched, did watch the Brooklyn Nets last year, when I did watch Golden State this year, my eyes as they connected to D'Angelo Russell were what he was doing offensively. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, you know, maybe that that's on me or whatever. But I don't I don't know enough about these players. To know what they're like, like the second and third things on their like yeah. scouting report. I don't know mm-hmm. enough about that yet, and so yeah. you know that's for me, for us too. Just like it is for the team, they're you know they're going to be they're going to be learning that over time as well. Because you're also as much as I think what Malik Beasley did in Denver was going to be similar to what he did here, given Jokic cat. Like it's still you're you're taking him out of one environment and planting yeah. him into a new one. Yeah, and that'll that'll be very noticeable. With Russell, because people are also saying like, you know, DeAndre Russell, Cat is gonna, they're going to be able to feed him on these pick and rolls and and this and that, and it's going to be awesome. You know, DeAndre Russell is going to be able to throw Cat a damn entry pass, and that helps. Yeah, but 
I don't know, man. We haven't seen a lot of, of Cat as like a straight up pick and roll. Hopefully it gives him an opportunity to get better at it. Yeah. Is, is a better way of phrasing it. I mean, yeah, that's what... <laughs> we just see, see some volume of that because... Yeah. But we're going to... I mean, it is going to be a fun offense. Oh, I mean, for, the, for sure. the core just, of that We offense. don't even... We don't know exactly why it's going to be fun yet. Totally. Like, that is going to... And that's why it's... Gonna be worth watching a fifteen and thirty-five team. Yeah, for, for oh, the rest it's of gonna the be so fun to watch them. Now. Dude, that I can't tell you, that Hawks game yesterday, which oh was, my god, I could, could I know that you, all year you've been harping on the two bigs thing. It they came out starting what Keelan Martin at the four, mm-hmm. and every single possession down the court, the Hawks just switched a big guy onto a small guy and took him to the hole. And then the Wolves were down 20 like that, and then the game was over, and they couldn't come back. And it was so maddening. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care. They, they have not, these first 50 games, they have not cared about putting out the team and style of play that increases their odds of winning. No. I mean, that that's... To some extent, that makes sense, and to some extent, it's to me disrespectful to the game. And um, I don't know now the now the variables have all moved around, and there's there's different personnel. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think that was hard as a fan. I think people became particularly once Gorgie played well, and and then Cat came back. I mean, I just think for fans who who don't get it, or for us who don't get it as well as they do. We don't understand every detail of the plan to go, man, Gorgie's one of the best players on this team right now. This team stinks. Yeah. Gotta play him. Yeah. And and he gets eight minutes, nine minutes. You know, like I mean that 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 was uh Yeah. It's I, evil, and it's disrespectful of the game. It's also not that like you need to like spend all your energy respecting Carl Anthony Towns, but it's it's disrespectful to him and like to not only be like taking a long-term vision, but to be actively hurting your chances of losing. Obviously that's going to contribute to him flailing when he doesn't get foul calls. And obviously <laughs> that's going to contribute to him wanting to talk to the media because he, how many times a day lately do you hear that Carl Anthony Towns hasn't won a game since November? Like, of course, like on some, like help the dude out, man, get him a win. And, Sure, it's him too. Go get a win, dude. You're super good, and you're yeah. playing like the worst defense right. you have in a couple no, of I've, years. I've, I've but probably like, unfairly contributed to that in a couple of different ways, but yeah, it just comes from a great frustration of the overall product. Yeah, and um, it just it all snowballs. Yeah, um, I <laughs> let's talk about Gorgie. Yeah, um, as we've moved through most of these things, um, that that would be the deal. I. I'm not going to give a for sure thumbs up to. Yeah, no, I'm not. I was a little, I'm not going to give a thumbs down to it either, but Gorgie's a better player right now. I think I was talking to, um, you know, we didn't, we obviously didn't know at the time, sitting at Target Center late after the game last night, and it was just me and John Krasinski there, and I was like, because Gorgie, Gorgie talked to us in the locker room, he's always great to talk to in the locker room, but he was just like kind of laughingly um, talking about all the guys who got traded the day before, and, you know, he, he, he he's a good dude, and I was like, man, John, like, is this is this Gorgie's last game here? Like, we're like, maybe. I mean, it could be. Who know? We don't know what. Neither of us knew exactly what was going to happen today, and but then what we both went into is like, man, he put him like, put him on this Clippers team. He put him on a put him. I, I think he could have a moment in the playoffs. Yeah. Of like, this guy's making a difference. Like a Bismack Biombo moment from a few years <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah, sure. Like, 
And I'm not saying I was certainly not making the connection to Memphis, <laughs> but um, but like Memphis might be a playoff team. Yeah, you know, and that'd be cool. Like in the backup Valanciunas role, Gorgian ties, Gorgian ties. Yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that for him. Uh, I think the the explanation Rosa's <laughs> would give you is we don't we don't need a backup big like that. We needed. I mean, James Johnson can play the combo forward role mm-hmm. in a way that they don't think that Gorgie can clearly. Yep. yep. So is that a clear win? I mean, yeah, like James Johnson's certified badass, but he's also been certified bad. <laughs> like this, this year he's not like. Gargi's kind of a badass too. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. But like, but, uh, but James if, Johnson if is next level like, badass. If you're trying to justify the trade, you're like, okay, you got to, you know, a, yeah, like a, an intense personality yep. in the room, all, all that sort of stuff. He plays a, a position that fits more. Um, still, he hasn't, you know, he has, he's just played some more this month. Again, he's another one of those guys who can't say I've been having my eyes like closely tuned into what exactly uh, James, Johnson. James Johnson's doing. <laughs> who? <But> like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, that's the answer. And Gerson Rosas was the GM of the Rio Grande. Valley Vipers that had uh, Robert Covington on that team, Troy Daniels, Isaiah Kanan, and James Johnson was yeah. on that team. So Gerson is is uniquely familiar with James Johnson, and he fits. Gerson put that team together. Yeah, that G, the D League, that's the Rockets D League team, and he put it together in his image. Yeah, <laughs> and he's putting this team together in his image, and um, a plotting center that even has shown that he can shoot threes does not fit the image. Um, of, of the team that he's, he's, he's trying to build. I just think Gorgie's been pretty good. He's been, he's been good, like bona fide good, but not playing a lot. So, so I think, yeah, um, that, that one remains somewhat of a question mark because we should point this out, um, that he Johnson is making 16 million next year too. Yeah. So it's, it's player that, option, but yeah, I mean, he's picking that up. Yeah. Um, Gorgie's making 17.3, so it's 1.3 less that uh, that Johnson costs. Well, which you see, at, we see right now at this trade deadline, what $1.3 million can mean. I mean, because mean, right now, I mean, they're in they're, tax yeah, they're, at, at about that much. Which exactly. is worth mentioning on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, um, interesting. Yes, it's one of the million things to mention is is that, that, that Glenn Taylor signed off on. That's probably the one of the best feathers in his cap to the notion that he'll pay for it if it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we've heard that for forever. Yeah, I think I think that's a good sign. I think they can. All of these trades don't change my opinion that twenty twenty one is still the year for this team to make their real move to to get there. So this I team, agree with that. this team can take a tax payment this year, avoid the tax next year to duck, you know, a repeat repeat there, and and then they could pay it again in twenty twenty one. And I would assume that that's why this isn't a huge deal. Right now, like he, he's going to have to shell out another, you know, five million in a tax payment or yeah. something, um, which I mean, it's five million. That that sucks, but um, yeah, it it it's a testament to that what they've been saying about Glenn Taylor being bought into this mm-hmm. is uh, is true. Yeah, and and yeah, so let's let's note where we're at cap wise for next year. Yeah, um, there are eight players under contract. On guaranteed contracts, assuming that James Johnson opts in to yep. his sixteen million, and that puts them at ninety six million dollars in salary, 
which is the, the cap is 115. So that's your 15, 115. So they're, yeah, be 19 yep. under. And that is, does not mean 19 million in cap space because not figure, factored into that is the non-guaranteed contract of Jared Vanderbilt, Jalen Noel, Nas Reed, guarantee all those guys. And you're down to like 14. Yeah. Um, you also are going to have a lottery pick. Yep. That's about six. Yeah, resend Wancho or Malik, one of them. Yeah, but I mean, even even before you do that, because yeah. they can delay that process with, yeah. with them, um, you're, you're looking at, uh, yeah, but you got to fill out the roster. We're not looking at cap space yeah. still. Yeah. Um, the the way they add on to this team outside of trades is, is bringing back the current free agents they have, which are Hernan Gomez and Beasley. And then also Turner and Crab, if they some reason <laughs> feel like bringing uh, burning one of those guys back, I doubt it. Uh, that that's how they add on to it, and then the mid level, yep. on top of that, which will be about nine point eight million that they could spend on someone. So, from a where are they at financially standpoint, pretty similar um, to cap space wise. As they were, I mean, it's I mean, a little you, bit you more. You exchange Wiggins for Russell. You exchange Gorgie Jing for James Johnson. It's just like mm-hmm. it's pretty much that. Yeah, level. and then well, but then it looked like there might be a little bit more mm-hmm. when Covington was out. But yep. it's that. The difference between their guaranteed salaries number and the cap is fool's gold at this point. Sure, they don't yeah. have 19 million in cap space to no. just go sign someone. You gotta, you gotta have 12 roster holds. Yep, you got the the first round pick. You know, so that that's gonna that's gonna go away. This is you know this is broadly their roster, and then you know I would assume they'll be very active in adjusting it. Oh through, yeah, through <laughs> sign and trades this summer and potentially through through using. Those picks, I mean, they they ripped it down to the studs, and I would not be surprised if they keep rip doing it down. So. Yeah, rip yeah. it down even more. I think now there's two studs. Yep, which are Cat and Russell. Yep, at and, least for now. And the, I mean, who's the only other guaranteed contract in 2021? Jake uh, Lehman. <laughs> Jake Lehman. Yeah. Those well, are the three I mean, studs. Culver. It's Culver's rookie option, six yeah. point four. I, I hope to God he's. <laughs> with that. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, no, I mean, like to I'm just saying, big three. We got to see him play basketball. Yeah. Uh, I am excited for that. Culver and a Kogi. And then I'd lump in Jacob Evans and Omari Spellman. If they they show something too, I think those are assets that could be flipped. Mm -hmm. I don't think, especially if you can pump them up a little bit, like, like a Jacob Evans and even, even Culver. I mean, I think to everyone, you know, Evans and Spellman, they're like, Oh yeah, sure. Like you could trade them if people like them, but yeah, but not for much. I I don't know, man. I, I haven't, I haven't seen any reason why we should like a justification for definitely keeping Jared Culver and a reason why this clearly transaction happy team wouldn't consider, you know, moving him. I've always thought that teams should trade players on rookie scale deals earlier than they do. I mean, teams are just so I'm not saying the Timberwolves should trade Jared Culver, but I think that that's a market inefficiency in general as teams because yeah. well man, if Gerson Rosas got hired, traded Dario Saric and didn't draft, you know, someone at 11 to go up and get Jared Culver and then he trades him 2 years later, like what well, right. is that a bad look? But like no, maybe you're just <laughs> you be, you don't believe in the sunk cost fallacy or you believe in the sunk <laughs> sure. cost fallacy. How can yeah. you phrase that? No, and I mean, Culver is this is this has been a concerning year to me. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, again, thirty-two games. Let's see what he let's see what he looks like alongside players that you know allow him to function a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Because 
it was not working. It did not work playing him alongside two other, you know, non-shooters in a, a Kogi and a Travion Graham, something like that. Totally. So, so we got to see that. But um, the biggest concern I have with Culver is is that he's not played well when Cat's also been on the floor. Yep. His best play came without Cat. Yep. And if we know one thing to be a fact, it's that this everything's connected. Yep. Like if you don't connect to Cat, you're expendable. Yep. So let's you know let's let's see where that goes. And now they have D'Angelo Russell. And D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> Who do you got? What's your guess? Who starts the first game that all these players are here? <clears throat> um, I think D'Angelo at the one, Beasley at the two, mm, not Culver. Uh, Culver at the three. Oh. I mean, true. In, interchangeably there. Uh, Hernan Gomez at the four uh-huh. and Cat at the five. You, you. No, <laughs> I, I genuinely like don't have a comeback. I don't know. That sounds like that lineup will be so bad at defense. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah. Well, the team's bad at defense. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna, but man. like so bad. But and no, yeah. That's not, it. Sounds like a fun. Group I mean, to me. a, a Kogi is then the the six man role. They you know yeah. they they like him in in that. I don't then you got then you start looking at James I mean, Johnson. If as Evan Turner's around, you could <laughs> Yeah. And I, I think I think Crab for sure guard. will play. Or yeah. For sure be in, in the rotation. Yeah. Um yeah. And then I think they want to play Knots. Well, I bet they'll start Layman when he's back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. That's true. But uh maybe. Who knows? Over Culver? Yeah. I don't know. That's actually tough though. I think they'll I, I think I think Culver will will start the rest of the year. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's Beasley they have come off the bench. I, I think they like I think they like Akogi off the bench. Yeah. It, it might be one thing initially. This hasn't been Tibsy where it's like these are the guys. Like they've they've been willing to say, oh, we're playing Houston tonight. We're going to start Akogi instead of Culver. You mm-hmm. know, like that. I, I would assume those type of game to game adjustments you know do happen. But it's I, I don't know. Maybe we'll know tomorrow after the, the press conference and they'll they'll. Be a little bit more leading in yeah. in what the what this this all looks like going forward because, um, to you know Rosa's credit, I think they've been pretty transparent. Um, if we get half the transparency we got about the crab trade, crab and teague trade, as it pertains to all these other guys from Rosa's, then we'll we'll know a lot you know more about what things look like going forward. So yep. that is uh, that will be tomorrow afternoon. And is that right? And then it all kind of yeah, it was supposed to be. Today, <laughs> the trade of Angel Russell. So you think they'll yeah. play against the Clippers? These new guys? Um, I think for sure the Denver guys. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then I think they'll make a push to have Russell play on Saturday if they, you know, can get all the dot their eyes and stuff. Um, because it's Statement Saturday. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> Got to put them in the lime green jersey. <laughs> Those sweet jerseys. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, that I'll say this, because Covington's not on the team anymore. He hated those jerseys. Did he? Did he say something? He, yeah, well, we talked. I, we, he was wearing a Marbury uh, black jersey with the Christmas trees yeah. one day. After, so I, was like, oh, that's, I was like, that's a sweet jersey. <laughs> you know, like, I think that's a cool jersey. Yeah. And he's like, I cannot believe we're not wearing these this year. Those are the, those are the coolest jerseys. I was like... Damn, Covington. Every single yeah. fan agrees with you. Yeah, I know. Like, it, Unless they're 11 years old. Yeah. And, and love Even me. then, it's like, have I you don't never know, seen a KG highlight reel? I, I've, I, like, no, no. But I, I've, I've asked about it because I hate 
the lime green jerseys. And they say, look, Can, dude. Well, yeah, they're like, you're 30. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. We're not trying to sell jerseys to you. Um, so, that makes yeah, sense. But, but, but Covington was like, hey, and I'm telling you, go. you should go back and look it up. We always lose in these jerseys. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> well, you always lose, period. But, uh, uh, he, again, to... With, with with Covington because that is uh, you know, and the, the the celebration excitement I have of all of this is I would have loved a future with this team that included Robert Covington because I think he's good I think he's a good guy I think he's like everybody talks about Andre Iguodala as this defensive genius if you watch Covington closely he's got some of that in him too mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it fit in perfectly here but I. I like loved yeah. interacting with that dude. Well, I'm not sure that they gave it the best chance to fit him perfectly either. Um, just by how they played him positionally yeah. next to cat. <laughs> True. But I do think we're not going to forget about, obviously we're not going to forget about Robert, Robert Covington, but especially because I think the Timberwolves are going to be spending the next two, three, four years trying to find Robert Covington esque <laughs> players. Not, that's, and that's, that, a good, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. As as the rest of the league is. But, yeah, exactly. But the rest of the league but ironically, didn't have one. <laughs> they had to trade one to get into this position there. Right yeah, now. and that's, yeah. Why, that's why this is all complicated, man. I mean, to really accurately assess how actually good Rosa's is, or bad, if you feel that way, you got you to gotta do your due diligence of... <laughs> getting out a piece of paper and connecting the dots of mm-hmm. this move to this move to this move because it's going to be super complicated. And, um, I mean, we, we use Gupta, Sasha Gupta falls in, in there too. I go back to the Philadelphia and what they did with the 76ers. And do you think Gupta like, like, is like having a beer right now or do you think he's I, like, I, I what is going him. on? I, I, I was talking about some of the finance stuff. And, and yeah, they just, those guys have not slept. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like for me, I'm like, <laughs> I feel gas from all, I'm like, man, we got to watch this Hawks game. And then you got to <laughs> do like, oh, the, I don't, that job, man, is, it's a, it's a unique job that those, that those guys have. Of yeah. Crazy hours, like. Crazy hours, crazy amount of responsibility, or, or like to everywhere. Like you're responsible to the owner, you're responsible to the players, you're responsible to the fan base. Like there's a lot of pressure from a lot of different directions. Yeah, you got to be the right kind of person. And at some point, like <laughs> they got to make it work. You don't get it. You don't get a lot of chances Mm-mm. at this. You know, if this doesn't work for Gerson Rosas, like he, he, I mean, he can be as talented of a executive, you know, as you want. It's it's hard to get. Extra shots and uh, Sasha and Gupta had one shot in in Philadelphia and it uh, it worked but it didn't work mm-hmm. because they got fired yep. you know and um like they they want to make this work it is uh, it's an extremely important to them and I think what I will say on their side of it as as we're all frustrated with like what the hell is this style of play you're playing with this roster like we're like we just want to watch some basketball those guys do too. Like they like basketball more than we do. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Like, and um, I think um, they're excited for the fresh breath of air and a group of players who fit their vision a little bit better should make this a more palatable. <laughs> yeah, pro- like product to consume, and at the very least, a, a breath of fresh air. Because where were you going as of two days ago, dude? It was bad. Yeah, and it was and it was bad from a 
it was there were serious business concerns about all of this from TV ratings to ticket sales. I mean, that, that stuff was real. Yeah, and that's a critical. You know, it's a critical part of this process. Is you know what they they need what what Gershon Rosas needs to be able to make this work is financial flexibility to be able to go into the tax to be able to send out cash and trades to be to have that financial backing from ownership. Yeah. That's how this process works. If they if they rattle off, I mean, if they rattle off a year or two of terrible sales, terrible revenue from there, then. Then it gets to 21, and, you know, maybe Glenn goes, no, we're not, no, we're not going to the tax. You guys have won 39 games in two years. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm paying for a winner. You know, that wouldn't even, at some point, this is a business. So uh, they need a change from a business standpoint, and it had gotten worse than I think anybody anticipated initially, even though I knew it was going to be a, a new re- regime. But, I mean, we've been there at games, like, it's... Uh, the fan base has been extremely disconnected this season. Yeah. And this has a chance to, I feel like we've, I've talked about it on a ton on this podcast. I think it's a, not an underrated storyline in this story <laughs> is, is the engagement of the fan base. And, and the idea is that this helps the basketball, this helps the books, and this helps the fans find something that they... I would just, yeah, I would just like to point out the irony that after Tibbs was fired for... Being the non-business guy, <laughs> the new guy is struggling with the business. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's the whole organization is, but yeah. It's, well, let's just come back to they've sucked for thirty years. <laughs> like they just have. They have, um, which makes this a, an uphill process, yep. and this makes all these. You know, maybe it, maybe it, it it doesn't work. But if you're if you're listening to this podcast, if you're a Timberwolves fan, if you're if you're paying money to go to games, if you're investing your time, just your time. It's a lot of time to watch eighty two games. Yeah, it's a lot of time to watch forty one games. You know, and to to read about the team, to listen about the team. You know, you um, that that's a lot to ask of fans, and. Um, you got to give them something. Yeah. I mean, I'm crazy too. I share season tickets. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's, um, I don't know, man. This is, a, this is a point in time that is signals change. Doesn't signal for sure success. I'm betting on it. I mean, that's pretty clearly my stance in this moment is I get it. I understand where they're going. But, I mean, they freaking traded Andrew Wiggins. Wow. Like that's real. He's not Andrew Wiggins. Not on the Timberwolves. That's crazy. That is crazy. It's just a massive. That's a a really good thing for this team, in my opinion. And yes, that's yeah. To to bookend it, you know, that's that's something to be excited about for the sense that it should lead to something more than what Andrew could have brought the team. Mm-hmm. That's just where it was. It, and you know, I am very interested to watch him play on the Golden State Warriors, mostly once they get their guys back. And then this year, I'm really excited to watch Robert Covington on this Rockets team. Yeah, like yeah. I think that, you know, that'd be cool. And and our boy Keda on Denver, yep. Shabazz, like, I like that Denver, you know, like, I'm excited. Right? Isn't that a thing? It's, it's the reason we like watching Phoenix. Rubio's there. Like, yeah. at some point, we have a connection as fans, you know, to, to the players, and, and um, very few of them do I not want to see have success <laughs> yep. when they move on. And I think all these guys, Andrew included, I'm I'm going to be paying attention. You know? Yeah, and absolutely. We'll, we'll see where it goes. I will be back on Monday with uh, Britt Robson. <laughs> I'm 
who knows where he'll be at on all this. I'm, I'm pumped. I, I'm excited to, excited to hear that and, uh, and, and talk to him about that. That will be on Monday afternoon coming out. We'll have, that will be post press conference post. We'll have, um, yeah, the, the perspective of Ryan Saunders, Gerson Rosas have spoken to all of these new players by then. So it'll be a whole new load of information that will come out Monday afternoon. I'm sure I will be writing a lot of different things between now and then. So check that out at, uh, at, at zone coverage. Um, I intentionally didn't talk about a couple of things that I'll be writing about. So boom, tease. That's that. <laughs> uh, Charlie Johnson at C John's NBA. Give him a follow. Check out his work. Me too. I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore NBA until Monday. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.